typically this is the part where uh, after the music plays, Cardwiz and I go through our little spiel about, you know, building your army and all that. But there actually is one thing I wanted to address right off the bat. I'm not a Fire Emblem expert. I love the series. Uh, I pay attention to the series. Uh, I guess you could say I'm, a, I'm obsessed with the series. But if there's one thing that I've always wanted to pride myself with with this podcast is having accurate info. Um, and if my info is not accurate or if I've missed said something. I believe it was either in episode one or uh, the prologue where I was just like, hey, send me a correction. I will gladly acknowledge my uh, my mistake or, you know, card was a mistake. We'll, we'll acknowledge it. I refuse to acknowledge my mistake. I'll acknowledge it for you. Dang I'll, it. I will shoulder the blame and the responsibility for everything because that's who I am. A good guy. I'm the hero. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But no, seriously, um, I mean, Cardoz and I, we're just, you know, we're two Fire Emblem fans that want to talk about Fire Emblem uh, based off what we know. And so when we started this podcast, uh, that prologue episode, we pretty much said, hey, you know, we're familiar with international titles forward, except with the exception of, uh... oh yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, we were familiar with the international titles up to the current release. Um, things before that were not too certain on because we've just kind of dipped our toes in that water just a little bit here and there and I think that's fine because that gives you a frame of reference for what we know and what we don't know but recently um, IGN they had a uh, their own podcast that they do called Nintendo Voice Chat where uh, and to date the podcast uh, at the beginning of 2019 and they were talking about you know some Nintendo games that are going to be coming out. And obviously, again, to date the podcast, you know, Fire Emblem Three Houses has not come out. And we haven't really heard anything on it, but... I haven't actually watched their entire video because I felt like uh, the videos that came after that, um, ones made by, like, Mangs and Lucky Crit, kind of highlighted the stupidity. Or, uh... And you know what? I am going to call it stupidity because... If you watch this video and you see them fumble around with the Fire Emblem titles. They, at one point, mentioned that Fire Emblem Three Heroes was the first game for the 3DS in 2012. Great. Great. Is, isn't that what it was? I, I, I remember playing the three houses involving Marth, Roy, and Masked Marth. Oh, yeah. They were all in that game. But, like... If they fumbled something, because I know we fumble words all the time, they were like, oh, wait, 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 wait. But here's the thing about it. They're not getting the title of this game right. And you may think to yourself, well, what's really the big deal about, you know, kind of fumbling a title? Well, they're paid professionals. Okay? Even though they're shooting the breeze, they're still paid professionals in a pr nicely produced um, video podcast with printed out notes in front of them. That's embarrassing. That is very embarrassing. I take notes on the stuff that I want to talk about on this podcast. Even irrelevant stuff I may not even use. So, you're telling me that you can't get the name of this game right. And you can't get any of your other info right. And you have printed notes in front of you. Are you absolutely kidding me? You look like idiots. And maybe that's a little maybe that's a little bit harsh. Um 
I don't know. It just, I don't know. It, it kind of frustrates me. What's your take on a card was? My take is that if you don't know, they obviously did not know what they were talking about, so they probably shouldn't have talked about it. They should have just ignored it, like a lot of people do with Fire Emblem, sadly. But if you want to talk about real amateur hour notes, get to what I'm going to get to when we get to the later portions of this podcast. I expect you to, to rake me over the coals with some of the things that I wrote down because I am an amateur who wrote them down in a few minutes. Exactly. Because I'm, yes. No, neither, neither neither you or our professionals. We're just dudes chit-chatting, shooting the breeze. We do have some knowledge, and we're going to bring that knowledge, and we're going to pretend to know more than we probably do. But that's the fun of it. We're just two friends talking about Fire Emblem because we love Fire Emblem. We want to build an army. We want to trust nobody. Fire Emblem. It's probably easy to say... Oh well, you guys are you know your fans. You're looking into the series, but it's not just IGN. I see. To me, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast. I see a lot of professional podcasters, or even like publications like Game Informer, which I actually do love their podcast. Um, sometimes I see Giant Bomb sing it. Like I remember when um, Three Houses was uh, first revealed, and you know one of the guys was like, "Oh man, where's the waifus?" I'm just like, "Good God, stop!" Because you already sound uninformed by everything or uh i can't remember I, I probably have a magazine of his review for echoes uh but game informer i forget who the guy's name is he was just like oh yeah you know the marriage is like a tradition in the fire emblem series it's just like no i mean <laughs> at this point at this point it was uh echoes echoes had just come out so it was like there are 15 mainline games including remixes I think it's 11 without I could be I could be wrong and that's okay because you can correct me and I'll acknowledge it uh and marriage and a second generation is only present in three of them I just I just I hate the misinformation spread you know I don't know why that bothers me so much because you're a fan you want people to get things right and people who aren't familiar with the series get info from the series from IGN and these other outside sources. That's why you, you, we can have chats like this. Exactly. We can but, pretend to be the insiders to give ac- more accurate information. But it's not hard to get a... It's not hard to type in, oh, uh, Fire Emblem 2019 or Fire Emblem 2018 and just do, just, do, just do a quick little search for your podcast or your video podcast or whatever. Yeah, I, that there are a lot of podcasts out there. It's one of the reasons why Easy Allies is one of my favorites because as the podcast has grown, they have a guy there who's basically there to Google stuff as they're going along at this point. That's a basic level of competency that you need to see from, quote, professional podcasts, or I'd, I'd like to see from yeah. anyone who calls themselves professional. Yeah, I, lo- I love Easy Allies because if they do make a mistake, they basically do their corrections at the very start. That's why I want to do our corrections at the very start. It's it's 100% copying what they do. I don't save my corrections for the end. I want them at the beginning. I want them at the forefront so I can say, hey, I was wrong on this. Let me correct it. With that being said, this episode, 100% correct, 100% accurate. Nothing's going to be wrong. Nothing at all. But if it is, it is not my fault.
Exactly. It would obviously be my printed notes. Anyways, <laughs> sorry, to end, sorry to start the podcast with such a ranty type thing, but I feel like I, I've, let, I've let it stew for a couple of days, uh, and I, I think I just I had to get that out. Check the description below if you're watching on YouTube. Might We might remember to put a description in there that says, hey, skip to minute five or something to avoid a long rant about IGN and others. Yeah. Well, Cardwiz, I believe uh, we've already ingratiated ourselves to the podcast uh, listener today. So, what are you been up to since the last episode? Since the last episode... I've been playing a lot of Smash. I've enjoy, greatly enjoyed the Spirits mode. Bef- going into Smash Ultimate, I did not think I would enjoy that. I thought it was going to be a weird gotcha game system because Smash Ultimate did a lot of things right in its promotion. Spirits mode was something they did a horrible job of explaining what it was and the way they explained it. Not really explaining that, oh, it's... Uh, ties into the adventure mode well they they saved that for like the end of the video where they announced that so it was just a toss in almost spirits mode is a fantastic game mode i pretty much only play the spirit board mode i don't even play the single player world of light anymore i don't even play the regular challenge mode just fighting the six challengers and then the big boss at the end i'm only playing spirits mode because i enjoy seeing the board of wanted posters that they that appear and then battling like a thousand different unique battle types that comes with it it is something that has pretty much unlimited replayability for me and they've been adding more with these events that they've been doing in the spirits mode so i could pretty much just play spirits mode forever in smash ultimate and that's probably all i'm going to play in that mode i put way too many hours into it and I absolutely love it. What are your thoughts on Ultimate? I love Ultimate. Um, I think you put almost. Uh, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit torn on um, Spirits slash World of Light because on one hand I do think it's really fun, but I kind of feel like they wasted a lot of resources going into this, um, and that's at the cost of like the other one player modes. Like, I can see why I break the targets is out or a uh, target smash. Um. Home run contest. I loved home run contest. I was so looking forward to being like, oh, new characters, new home run contest stuff to do. And, uh, you know, it's not in. So. Yeah, that's a weird thing to take out, sadly. I mean, because target contest, I mean, they got rid of unique target contests with um, Super Smash Brothers uh, 4. I think that's when they finally got rid of unique uh, contests. Did they not? uh, I, I thought they didn't have unique ones in Brawl. Ah, dang it, corrections. Oh, no. We've done it. We were perfect while we lasted. Well, we tried. So, no, but uh, I think think they got rid of them in Brawl. They had like a target smash where you had one specific map and every character worked on that one map. But um, I can see why they didn't want to do that anymore because there's so many characters now. And, uh, you know, I'd rather them, like, focus on the, the, the balancing and all that for those characters rather than having to be distracted by everything else. Yes, because now things can get patched, so the target maps might always... Well, they could change the target maps if they change the balance and change how things work. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, well, who knows, who knows. I'm hoping for, uh, 
there's actually a reason why we kind of, well, I don't want to say we delayed this episode because we, this is our third time recording episode two. Um, but, uh, we were going to record this, uh, Tuesday, but then, uh, there was that, the Nintendo direct false rumors and all that stuff. You know how that goes. You get people being like, Oh look, Nintendo direct. And unfortunately people fall for it. People not like us because we were smart and we would never do such a thing. So I would never cause this podcast to be delayed by a couple of days because I fell for a rumor. There's no way that would happen. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so who knows? Um, I think I got off. I think I got off uh, off the base. What I was talking about. But yes, I enjoy Smash Ultimate. Um, I played a little bit with all the Fire Emblem characters. I think Marth, Roy, Marth and Roy are going to be my boys uh, as far as the Fire Emblem characters go. I actually finished most of World of Light with Marth and Captain Falcon. So uh, I kind of uh, I don't have the complete like spacing down for Marth, but I'm I'm pretty decent with them. And Roy, I just I don't know. I, Roy's my boy, so got to go with him. Yep, Roy's absolutely my boy. I'm pretty much only playing Roy and Ike at this point. Occasionally playing some Donkey Kong if I'm having trouble with those two for whatever reason. But it, I, I am absolutely loving the games so far. It it is a blast to play, and I'm just a casual scrub with it. I don't even do grabbing or blocking because why would I push extra buttons when I could just hit the A and B button? <laughs> but I, I am having a wonderful time with that, and specifically the spheres mode. Uh, other, uh, than, other than that, though, I um, I'm currently on a, uh, a vacation, or I guess a staycation, if you want, if you want to call it that. So, I think a little bit before that, I purchased uh, the um, expansion pack for Xenoblade Chronicles Two, so I could play Torn of the Golden Country, and uh, it actually took me two days to uh, to get it to get to it because. I powered up Xenoblade Chronicles 2, just like the plain game, and they added a bunch of stuff to that. So I was just like, well, let's see like what kind of neat little thingies that they have. And because I had purchased the expansion pack, I got all the stuff. So I ended up like with 24 legendary uh, blade crystals or whatever. So I spent <laughs> a ton of time opening those. I still don't have Cosmos or Cosmos, which is frustrating. Oh, yeah, that one that I got from randomly opening, a, I think it was a common or maybe just a regular rare gem. Yeah, you and I, what what sucked about that, ladies and gentlemen, got to sidebar again. We were on Xbox Live chit-chatting about it, or it may have been on here, but... As we were were playing Switch because the Nintendo online thing sucks. Yeah, and so we were like, I was like, oh yeah, man, uh, the the one you're missing is probably Cosmos. She's like the super rare blade. She has like a .86% of even like getting it. And all of a sudden I heard you go, I got her. I was like, what? What? Yeah, I posted a picture. I shared it with with Ordo on Twitter, and he raged, and I laughed and laughed and laughed. She is like she and like one other blade that looks like a witch, at least from her silhouette, are the only blades that I don't have from like the base game. I'm guessing the other ones are part of like some kind of DLC quest things. I saw Shulk, Fiora, and uh... oh crap, she's in she's in Xenoblade Chronicles X. Uh... Elma. So yeah, I saw those three silhouettes, and then there's one more. And whatever the new Poppy upgrade is, so... There's a new Poppy upgrade in the DLC? Yeah. Huh. Now, I think it's a blade that can be used by everybody, but I'm not really sure. Oh. I might need to boot up Xenoblade Chronicles too. I have zero interest in Torn of the Golden Country, because, personally, in my opinion, 
playing the stuff from the past or looking into the past was the least interesting part about that game. But everything else, the new blades, I'm all for that. That it was my favorite part of the game. Like I loved that sort of gotcha system in a game. You're addicted. I was absolutely addicted. I loved getting a new blade and playing out their quest, leveling <laughs> them up. It was that for me that was all the fun in the world. Actually there is a Fire Emblem connection. Huh? 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 Um uh-huh. do you you know that blade what's his name? Og Ogion? I can't remember what his name is. Is he the water one? Yeah, he's like uh he's the one that's next to the Emperor. Yes, that water samurai blade who you will get in the story mode yeah, eventually, I think. He's actually uh drawn by um Kozaki, who is the uh person who did things for Fire Emblem Awakening, Heroes, and uh Fire Emblem Fates. And he's actually in the same pose that Krom is with his sword. <laughs> but for you Gundam fans out there, in Japanese he's voiced by Shar Aznable's uh voice actor Suichi Ikeda, so let's go. But no, I've been playing uh Torn of the Golden Country. It's actually it's actually pretty fun. I don't really know what to think about it so far, but um, it's going by pretty quickly. Not in a, uh, oh man, I wasted money on this, but it's, uh, I don't know, it feels like it plays a little bit smoother. Ah, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying that. Yeah, so, moving on. Uh, there are other games that have been played. Per- personally, because I've been playing Fire Emblem 7 for our uh playthrough together with whoever listens to this podcast i've been booting up the wii u and every time there are a bunch of old games that are staring me in the face because i forgot how much i invested into the wii u virtual console which is probably the best reason to own a wii u at this point and each time i boot up some games are staring me in the face and i have been booting up one of my all-time favorite games golden sun ah so great yeah, it's what one of my favorite RPGs. But be, before Fire Emblem, that was probably my favorite RPG. I probably played that for the first time, like right around when I was turning twelve, thirteen, when I was really starting to get into games, starting to get into games more with story rather than just like, oh, I'm playing a sports game or oh, I'm playing a platform or jump around, jump around, but playing a game for the story really appreciating RPG mechanics and how that worked and learning about stats and all sorts of fun things that my brain still loves to this day. And I've just been replaying that and absolutely loving it. And I'm probably about 15 hours into it and I forgot how non-linear that some parts could be. It's just like, oh, I can skip doing the tree thing for a little while and just go straight and recruit Mia and do that entire dungeon first and then go do the tree side quest that you have to do to advance. But I'm having an absolute blast with that. I'm having an assault trick with it. And after I finish that, I'm probably going to try to play Golden Sun the Lost Age, which I only played once because I didn't love it from a story standpoint. And hopefully I'm just remembering it poorly maybe when i replay it this time around i'll appreciate the story more hopefully i'll fall in love with it as much as i did the first one and then after that if i'm still into it and if i'm up for punishment i will try to go through the ds game dark dawn don't see how i feel about that Uh, don't do it 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 has the golden sun name on it don't do it but i love golden sun don't do it yeah 
I probably won't. I'll probably <laughs> drop it because, going to be honest, again, to pr- to date this episode, in 24 hours a game is coming out, which I'm probably going to play 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of my life, uh, Tales of Vesperia, because if you, you've heard me talk on this podcast or the Practically Nothing podcast, my two favorite games of all time are Fire Emblem 7 and Tales of Vesperia, and the fact that Tales of Vesperia is getting a remaster it, with the PS3 version getting completely localized, even though Yuri has a different voice actor for some of his English lines, I'm going to completely love it and play it over and over and over again. I probably put 200 to 300 hours into the original on 360, and I'm probably going to put double that into this one. I I honestly might get it on both the Xbox and the Switch because I'm that insane because... I love that game. I love playing on my Xbox, and I'd also love to be able to play it portable. So my life's about to be turned over to <laughs> another, to this game, and I'm totally okay with that. So you're going from uh, Bandai Namco in Smash to Bandai Namco with Tills. Bandai Namco's been pretty good to me lately. They've treated me well with the Digimon games in the past. Yeah, but Bandai Namco tends to be good to me, so... Thank you, Bandai. Yeah. So, um, orig- originally when we recorded this, uh, I think it was literally one day after 3.0 launch for Fire Emblem Heroes. There's a Fire Emblem Expo announced, which honestly don't expect anything from that. The info's out there if you want to look it up, but don't expect anything. It's more of like a fan event. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's really not been that much Fire Emblem news going around, and Heroes moves at such a pace with its info and stuff that we really don't cover it. And you, you, and you you actually don't play it. I still play it, but you don't. Yeah, I played it for two months, and for me, that's pretty good for a phone game. Yeah. Uh, so... I, I'd hardly recommend it. There is some possible Three Houses news. It's probably nothing. But there's a chance it's real. Uh, recently, Gamefly, or a couple of months ago, Gamefly released a bunch of proverbial dates to games that are coming out. They're usually just standing dates place for placeholder because they have to have something in their system for date-wise. Date uh, recently, the, when a couple of months ago, they had Yoshi's Crafted World set for a release of March 29th. And, of course, people were like, oh, that's just a placeholder date. Just a couple of days ago, Nintendo released the date, March 29th. So people are going through Gamefly's list of things. It's like, maybe they actually have some of the real dates. And uh, Fire Emblem the Three Houses, their date for release is uh, June the 30th. So it's probably just a placeholder date. There's like a 95% chance probably that that's not the real date. But hey, there's a chance that's the real date. So that, something to actually It actually is pretty interesting because uh, the Fire Emblem Expo, again, I said don't expect anything from it, but that Fire Emblem Expo is actually a month before that in May. Mm. So, something could be announced there, maybe minor. Maybe they'll show off, because uh, the Fire Emblem Cypher card game is now entering its fourth year, so they may show off cards with those heroes on it. I'm oh, sorry, heroes, those protagonists on it. We'll see. I look I look forward to it. Hopefully we do get a actual Nintendo Direct soon. Yeah, so we can stop uh, speculating and... We can actually properly talk about Three Houses. I've wanted to talk about it for a while, but it's like, well, there's not really much info. It's just the crests are the blame. Okay. 
we can watch the footage from E3 for the thousandth time and maybe see if we can get anything new from this pixel. Yeah, be sad about there being another do-it-yourself self-insert protagonist, but I'll... It might not be bad. It I'll, might. I'll, I'll talk about it later. Oh. So, with that said, let's move on to the Emblem Club, which, if, you, if you're if you joining us for the first time, we're actually playing through Fire Emblem 7, uh, kind of chit-chatting about it, chit-chat chit-chatting about the story uh we're playing through a few levels at a time uh our first foray into this we're like oh yeah we'll play 11 through 16 i have only gone through 15 i just i have not played fire emblem 7 <laughs> i originally i was like oh wait is it 14 carter's like no 16 i'm like oh okay carter's i'm at 15 we're good right it's like no 16 i'm like all right and then i just never went i never went past that <laughs> uh Keep in mind, this is January, so uh, December was very hard on me personally, work-wise. And I was literally just coming home, watching some stuff on TV, and falling asleep, so... Sleep is good. Yeah, so now that it's January, we'll probably scale it back to maybe just like two or three levels. uh, Because after Chapter 16, uh, it starts getting a little heavy, story-wise. Yes, and the chapters get longer, and in case people out there want to restart and have a perfect run-through, then it gives you the chance to do that. We're, I'm trying to be super-duper hardcore for the first time ever with Fire Emblem and trying to let characters die. I don't want to do it, but I will try. Well, I suppose we should get to it. Because we start, we started out with... Uh... We actually skipped Lin mode, and we started off uh, Chapter 11. Yes, and we are playing Elliewood Normal mode. Just... Yeah, just to go through it and not have to be, like, super hardcore. We want to be kind of casual with it. I mean, if we... I don't know. It's just it's just a casual thing to do, I guess. Yeah, we're, we're playing this for fun. Elliewood... You can have fun on Elliewood Normal mode. It's fun to plow through some enemies sometimes and occasionally let yourself make dumb mistakes that end up getting people killed. Yeah. So, um, originally when I recorded this, I had, I had copied down the entire chapter 11 intro and it is long. Like the, well, not the actual intro gameplay wise, but like the opening paragraphs are actually pretty long. And if, and if you're playing with this, you know, the story, you know, what's up. Yeah. They, they do a solid job of laying out the world building. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to kind of skim through this paragraph, uh, paragraphs I have written. So, uh. Okay, here we go. Uh, once dragon fought man in the world called the Scouring, mankind vanqu- vanquished the dragons thanks to the efforts of eight heroes. Basically, these eight heroes uh, founded different lands. Um, most of them are mentioned like once and never mentioned again. Um, the heroes that are the most important are the Berserker Durbin, which uh, his final war was to create a warrior clan in the Western Isles. Uh, sorry, I said... Sorry, I said that. Uh, three of them are important. The rest of them aren't. Um, the Archsage Athos is in the desert. And then the heirs of the champion Roland themselves became the lords of the Lycian League. And Alib has enjoyed a peace that expands 980 years. 20 years short. 20 years short of a thousand. Uh, it's almost as though this were a prequel to a game that takes place 20 years from now. Huh. Crazy. 
But yes, yeah, so when we when we join Elliewood, um, he's searching for his father, Elbert. Uh, Elbert has been missing for a month, and basically rumors are flying throughout the Lysian link that he's dead. And so that kind of creates a power vacuum, so uh, Elliewood has taken a few nights out, and he's like, you know what, I have to, found, I have to find my father. So, um, anything yeah. you got out of that? Uh just to add that this starts at chapter 11, but we had previously met Elliewood in Lynn's story mode in chapter 7X. Yeah. Where we get to meet him. He saves the character Ninian. We know he's a good guy, and so we get a little bit of a primer on him so he doesn't come completely out of nowhere. Yeah, and in between chapter 10 and chapter 11, there's a whole year that passes. All right. And now we begin chapter 11. Chapter 11. Oh no, bandits have attacked. Oh no. Basically, um, I guess this is kind of like a, well, in the Japanese version, if you had Binding Blade, you could actually link this up with that game and skip Lin modes entirely. So this is technically almost a chapter one, which is probably why the first couple of chapters are just really easy. So... Yes, you are literally facing, and it's chapter 11 of technically, in a way, you can view it as the one-third mark of the game, in a sense. And you're fighting enemies who, I will read the stat line. Here is an actual stat line to enemies in this, in Elliewood normal mode, chapter 11. Three zero one zero zero zero. Going to have a hard time. I know, there's no way I will be able to overcome this. You'd have to be a real fool to get someone into trouble. Oh, boy. Uh, It's almost like maybe someone had let someone die. That would never happen. Never. Oh, man. I screwed up. Oh, boy. Uh, Chapter 11. We get a lot of units in this chapter. We get a total of six... Uh, characters, six people who we get to take with us on this journey. We start with the and, aforementioned Elliewood. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go over. No problem. I have my expert 10 out of 10 written down notes, perfectly written down that have don't have anything wrong with them at all. They are perfect. Don't send corrections. <laughs> ahem, ahem, ahem. Elliewood, redheaded hero represent. Shout out to my redheads out there. What up? Sick in Fire Emblem 6, period. Save Ninny in, in Lin's mode all by himself, period. Son of Marky Feyre. 10 out of 10 notes right there. <laughs> yeah, in addition, uh, we have his loyal knight Marcus, who is actually, I believe it's mentioned that he has served Elliewood's family for like three generations or something like that? Or... By the time Roy comes around, it will be for three generations. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I got that, I got that part confused. Actually, he, there's a, it's possible that he, considering he looks he already looks old in Fire Emblem 7 with his purple old looking hair he could have served uh, Elliot's father's father so who knows yeah it's, I mean it's possible and after that we get uh, Rebecca who is the I'm sorry you're doing the characters I don't know what I'm doing I spent so much time. I spend like a whole minute per character. <laughs> Actually, probably more like 30 seconds per character. <clears throat> Here is the amazing summary of Marcus. <clears throat> Night for three generations. Elliewood and then Roy's advisor. Fancy word, advisor. 
He is your break glass in case of emergency character early in the game. He is also a Jagan for the insider Fire Emblem expert terminology for a pre-promoted character who is incredibly strong early in the game who you can use as a break glass in case of emergency character in case you get into trouble. Or if you use him poorly, he can be a character who steals experience from everyone so everyone else is underleveled going into the later chapters of the game. Unlike, and, well, unlike the traditional Jagan, he actually can keep up with uh, with you later on. He can actually become one of the best in the game. Yes, they they did a nice job with this. He's better than a character in Fire Emblem Six, six because he's younger and probably has better stats than he would when he's an old man. Yeah, I don't remember much about him in uh, Six from when I played, but I only got to like chapter I think eleven or twelve there. Yes. Next up, well, you said Rebecca, so I guess I'll skip a down a paragraph, <laughs> an amazingly long paragraph, and about Rebecca. Rebecca, 15-year-old green pigtail archer, period. Roy's wet nurse, period. Mother of Walt, but, funnily enough, can actually die in this game. So, as a zombie, she probably gave birth to Walt, and was Roy's wet nurse. So that is a canonical possibility. You can have that in your mind's eye. <laughs> and in Heroes, she has super scary eyes that give me nightmares. Yes. Horrible art. Yeah. Fire Emblem Heroes has pretty amazing art across the board. About 90% of it, I'd say, is great. Rebecca's is not among that, I'm afraid. Yeah. Her eyes are some of the weirdest looking eyes I've seen. I would highly recommend you Google Rebecca Fire Emblem Heroes and take a look at that and have a little bit of nightmare fuel. Uh, next up, going from green hair to green hair, we have the Cavalier Lowen. Expert description will be Tank Horseman with hair uh, taking over his head. Hmm. I call him an alpaca. I can see that. I like that. He's a green alpaca. He is Marcus's protege, and he is the cook of the army, which he will uh, delve into if you get to his support conversations with a few people. Uh, those are your starting four, but then by turn two, a few more people turn up, including Dorcas, one of my personal favorite characters in the game, and the first character from Lin Mode, who, if you play Lin Mode, his stats will carry over, but in this case, we're not playing Lin Mode, so he's just starts out fairly simple his character he loves his wife doesn't trust mutton he's a meme with some of the best con in the game which constitution is a pretty important stat which sadly does not level up so if you have high con it's not going to change if you have a low con it's really bad expert expert commentary right now right there high stats are good low stats are bad you are not going to get statistical analysis like that on any other podcast in your face ign <laughs> dorcas is also from the country of burn which is sort of in this game hinted at as a bad guy country as if you played fire Emblem six you'd know that more information on that but he moved to Alicia to be close to his wife and to have a safer place for his wife. Oh, how sweet. Dorcas is amazing. 
And our final new character in Chapter 11, Bartra. He's a big old dummy who doesn't have a mustache, but he will. One day he will have a glorious mustache. Yes. He eventually marries Carla, but that only happens in Hector mode for some reason. He is the father of a character named Fear, who is in Fire Emblem 6, and he is your speed warrior. He is the best speed growth of, I believe, any of the axe users in this game. So if you want to invest in that, he might not get RNG screwed in your speed category, so he'll be able to do double hits. Axe users users have a lot of competition in this game. Yes. Sadly, there's not a super duper amazing axe warrior except for our axe lord in this game but we'll get to more axe users and more way the characters are used and that was the chapter 11 amazingly expert character breakdown ta-da but um, I mean this this map is like it's super simple and super short it's sort of a uh, a refresher from Lin mode Um, basically after this one well, we already mentioned Rebecca, but uh, the village magistrate kind of like you basically save their village, and the village magistrate basically thanks you. And then uh, there's like a small conversation between uh, him and Rebecca, and basically she's like, you know, I'm going to help Lord Elliewood on his quest or whatever. And you know that kind of leads us into chapter twelve. There's really not much to say about, I mean, the first couple of chapters. Yes, it so long as you're just. You've got enough characters to overwhelm the enemy. There are plenty of forests and forts to hide in along the way. So I had no trouble in this map. I, hopefully you did not either. No, no, it's very easy. Okay, good. What, are you afraid I'll let someone like Rebecca die? Come on, it's me. Of course. You, <laughs> you must protect those glorious, big, terrifying eyes. So... Uh, after speaking with the village magistrate, Elwood and company set their sight on Laos. The road from Foray to Laos passes through Santa Cruz. Elwood suspects his, his missing father must have visited Santa Cruz en route to Ostia. Elwood arranges a meeting with the local ruling lord to see what he can learn. This is where things actually kind of like start picking up just a little bit as we see uh, a meeting between uh, the Marquess uh, Helmet and a mysterious hooded man followed by some uh, really nice creepy music got some good music and we see a, a really nice sprite with a man in purple robes with golden eyes mm. very unsettling on your Game Boy Advance screen <laughs> uh, so basically uh, they're like oh uh, Elliot's here and you know Ifidel's like I'm sorry mysterious hooded man whose name I did not just say uh, basically I, you know what's great Ifidel's uh, basically like oh you know well summon some forces so we'll scare him off uh this does not sit well with a good man named oh hector who just happens to be passing through because he hears ellie woods on his journey uh hector shows up with uh with uh sarah matthew and oswin but only himself and oswin join you on this map at least in ellie mode yeah um, you got anything on uh, Hector and Godwin? Oh, Hector and Godwin. Let's go to the 10 out of 10 character breakdown sheet. <laughs> Hector. He is an axe armor unit, with, but he has movement and speed. 
I should probably separate that more. He's like an armored unit, like a knight or a general, except he has a little bit more speed and movement. That's probably a better way to say that. Again, he, he is also like Rebecca in that I don't like his initial Fire Emblem Heroes art. One of the few art styles I didn't like, but I'm, they, I'm glad they dropped having more cartoony looks in that game. Uh, he is Lily on his dad from Fire Emblem 6, and he dies with a beard. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then we have Oswin. He is the Knight of Ostia. He is also known as Godwin. He is loyal to Ostia and to Uther, and he has pretty great base stats. That's pretty much all you need. Oswin is just simply good. Yeah. I Well, Sacred Stones is my first Fire Emblem game, and I thought, oh, well, Gilliam, he's all right. So I guess this guy is kind of like Gilliam. I was horribly, horribly wrong in a good way. Because, like, Oswin, he's... Oh, my Oswin was godlike. Yeah. I, out of all the Fire Emblem games I played, Oswin is probably the most consistently great knight unit in all of them. He, he's a knight unit with decent speed. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, just like any, but any, like with any knight unit, just keep him away from magic, and you'll be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, I... not really. There's really not much to say for this one. Um, in this map, it's another kind of like, it's basically kind of reteaching you. Oh, go check out villages and you know get stuff like that. Um, yeah. One of the house vendors actually mentioned that Elbert did come through here about a month ago, and. Um, we actually learned just a small detail, but uh, Hector's brother Uther was just crowned um, Marquess of Ostia. And if we, uh, as we will eventually learn, some people aren't happy about that. Or more, some people are concerned about that. Yeah. We get the impression that Uther is someone that people fear a bit. It's not only, well, it's not only that, but um, Ostia is like the biggest country in the in the Lycian League, so basically all eyes are on Uther right now. So anytime, any, any, any move that Uther makes, there's going to be eyes that are on him. So. Mm-hmm. Luckily, there aren't as many eyes on his rambunctious younger brother who likes to leap into frays and fight bandits at the drop of a hat. Yep. Uh, so I have the, uh, and with that, I mean, again, chapter 12, another easy, pretty straightforward, um, I'm gonna read the intro off to, no, some of these chapters I will read off the intros to because they actually are packed with a little bit of info. I just didn't want to do that with the first one because it's so long. So, um, kind of summarizing the end of chapter 12, Elliewood enters Santa Cruz only to be attacked by a strange group. In a desperate moment, he is rescued by a childhood friend, Marquess Ostia's younger brother, Hector. The assailant's leader reveals that an unknown party seeks Elliewood's head. Elliewood cannot help but think this is related to his father's disappearance. In search of more traces of his father's footsteps, Elliewood sets out for the castle of Lord Hellman, the Marquess of Santa Cruz. One thing to note about this chapter as well, uh, teenage card whiz back way back in the day, first time playing this, actively got a little bit scared because this is the first time you see a boss who moves towards you, a boss who's really ready to fight you on no matter where you are. So, uh, not a big deal, but it, 
up to that point, you, all of the bosses have just been, I am in a castle and I'm going to stand still and you will come up and gang up on me. You're thinking of the next chapter, 14. No, this chapter 12, he moves. No, 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 we, we skipped chapter 12. We're on chapter 13 now. Right? We're about to be on chapter 13. We, like, we were, I was, we were finishing up 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, no, go ahead, because I just, I, just, I just read out the intro to chapter 13, which basically summarizes 12. Eh. Whatever, whatever. Whatever. We're doing it live. Yes. Accurate info. Yeah. Chapter 13, we are introduced to Matthew and Sarah, who we had previously known from Lynn's story mode and from a brief cameo in the past chapter in Ellie with story mode. And we are also given a cutscene of this random green-haired villain who... He's probably evil. He's red on the map, I mean. Named Guy, or Guy, I don't know. His amazing character breakdown. Green Ponytail gets Hector Hard Mode bonuses. He can be strength-screwed, and he comes with a killing edge. Yay. I did put the yay in there. (laughs) (laughs) No screw-ups this time. Yep. Uh, Thankfully, he gives you information to cutscene, which is like, Oh man, I don't want to work for these bad guys, but I gotta make money to buy food. Oh man, who was that one guy who gave me food the other day? Matthew, I think his name was. <clears throat> hint, hint, wink, wink. Yes, Matthew, that guy who gave me food. Matthew. If only, if only I knew a guy named Matthew. Yes, I would. I feel so indebted to him. I would probably abandon these guys and join an army of good guys if that were to happen. Crazy. It will probably not happen. I'm pretty sure that's the exact dialogue, something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, at the end, at the start of this chapter, uh, Marquess Hellman finds out that uh, Effidel basically tried to kill Elliewood instead of scaring him off like he previously agreed. Hellman gets pissed and says, like, you know what, no more, get out, get out. So, Effidel, being the reasonable man that he is, shanks Hellman and leaves him to die, and then leaves. Uh, at least he didn't throw him off the top of a tower yeah. after the shanking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my notes here say it says reunion with the tactician, but I don't remember that. Uh, I don't remember that off the top of my head, but then again, I played this. It was a couple of weeks ago since I played this. We, I don't, I don't remember uh, Matt... Sarah might have gotten a little cutscene, now that I think of it, of Sarah and Matthew being like, hey, you're the tactician who helped us out a year ago. Hmm. I, for reference, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we originally had this episode, uh, re- lost recording for this episode, like right around December the 5th. And it is, as of this date, it is January 10th. Super dating the episode uh, when, we're, when we are recording, so... There's been a month of stuff that's happened, so I don't know why I have a reunion with the tactician because I don't remember it. Um, ah. well, uh, back to the amazing, super amazing special character breakdown. Boop, 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 boop. We finally get to play as Matthew in Hollywood mode. We had him in Lynn's mode, and he is the only thief we get until chapter 19 of Hollywood mode. So, enjoy having him on the map. Hopefully, he doesn't get strength screwed. 
so he can actually wield a sword well. Yeah, what you really but, want out of Matthew, if I remember right, is his speed stat, because his speed stat will allow him to, because he's a thief. Um, so he'll his thief, his thief, his ability his is yes. uh, his ability is to be able to steal stuff from uh, characters, so weapons, um, weapons, promotional items, all things of that nature. He's he's very much a uh, he's not so much a combat unit as he is a utility unit. Yes, but it's nice to use him in combat because you want to get him level up so he can dodge, so he doesn't have to be in combat. Yeah. Another fun thing about him is that he has a very not, uh one of the few characters who has a sub story that actually plays into the plot of the main story with a sub story of the a love story we'll probably get to later on with a young woman named Layla. It's quite sweet. It's a sub story that plays both in and out uh, of the story actually because it plays into it to the first part and it kind of plays out of it. And then it kind of plays into it with one of his... Actually, I think two of his supports, if I remember right. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Mm -hmm. And then the final new character we get in this chapter is Sarah, our the lovely healer, with her pink pigtails, high, high maintenance personality, and because she is a only can only use staff, she is a pain in the butt to level up until you get barriers and physics, and even then it's kind of annoying. Especially if you're one of those crazy people like me who insist on doing 2020, not promoting characters until they get to level 20. Ooh. Even though, even though, really, especially with healers, it's probably it's best just to level them up to promote them whenever you can. Definitely, one thing I'm uh, one thing I loved about Awakening and Fates and Echoes is that staff healers level up really. They level up on par with everyone else. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, but sadly here it, with just a heal staff it's only 11 XP at a time or if you get a min staff 12 experience points at a time Ugh. we are so lucky to have them mm -hmm. uh, but again Matthew and Sarah are both characters who if you have lin mode there should be, have, be at a decent level by now especially if you boss have used a couple of times Sarah will be at a pretty high level but sadly we couldn't do that I couldn't abuse I couldn't level up I couldn't cheat <laughs> fair mode only personal notes for this map is that we're introduced into um, Merlinius uh, we only see him briefly uh, we'll talk about him in just a little bit though card was but the Yes, uh, we, we'll probably need to, we'll probably need to continue on because this was a decently simple chapter. Nothing bad could have possibly happened here. Cardwas, I uh, got a yes, got a personal note. Oh boy, we have received our first death. Dang it! I lost Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you, it, did, was it at least a memorable death? No. Let me put it this way. Every time I played FU7, Rebecca has probably died. I always get her killed accidentally. And I honestly say I've only probably made it to the end game with her probably two times. Yeah. And those other two times, I just leave her on the bench because I know I am going to get you killed. 
I know the Fire Emblem community, for the most part, isn't hugely pro Archer. I I tend to go against that. I I like archers, but Rebecca's not a great archer. She it's difficult to use her. Yeah, both she <laughs> and Will aren't average. that great. Yeah, that one of the downsides of this one, like you, the only good archer is the pre-promote that you get late in the game. Yeah. So, uh, for Rebecca, but at least she's not vital to recruit anyone. I guess that's the only plus side to this. Yeah, so uh, I mentioned Mer. I mentioned Merlinius. Um, when you go up to the village, I believe that's at the very top of the screen. You'll see this kind of like balding guy with a ponytail. Uh, I, I like to think of him of wrestling fans uh, as Paul Heyman. <laughs> uh, nice little reference, but um, no, no, he'll. I think he. You, you speak to him briefly, and then he hands you. I believe he hands you a torch and runs away. Um, doing this will actually activate. Uh, chapter 13X and that is a side story that you can take so uh, or should we move on to that huh. we right. can move on to that just uh, one quick thing just one last quick note about this one I remember having to plan out my moves very carefully because I had the strategy guide to Fire Emblem back in the day to be very careful with the recruiting guy because he had that killing edge and if you were not careful he would absolutely destroy you so you just had to always make sure like okay Matthew is one space away okay he can run and recruit him next turn I I just always remember being super paranoid about that and I'm still a little bit paranoid about that yeah Uh, it's it's the same deal with uh, other characters that are member dons that are uh, recruitable that they will uh, accidentally kill you and it sucks Thank you, Joshua. <laughs> All right, next up, the Peddler Merlinus, 13X. <clears throat> uh, at the end of Chapter 13, um, our our good our good friend, our guy that we do so well, Lord Hellman, has died, apparently. Shanking works. Poison, mm. poison does not work. But we'll get to that later. Uh, in the dying words of Lord Hellman, a stunned Ellie—sorry, the dying words of one Hellman stunned Ellie Wood beyond belief. Darren, the Marquess of Laos, knows all. Despite the pain that it brings, Ellie Wood takes his newfound knowledge to his heart and sets out for Laos once again. On the way to Laos, he travels through a Kalen village. Ellie Wood and his party decide to rest here for the night. Ah, and what happens in that night? They run across a poor poor Merlinus as he's getting harassed by a bunch of jerks, including some bandit named Puzon, who has the same sprite as a previous bad guy from Lin's story mode named Glass. Uh, And it's up to you to protect him. Yep, so we're introduced into uh, a couple of two two things right here. Um, Merlinus, the character, uh, and then there's also the Fog of War concept. And in Lin mode, there was a Fog of War map, but here it's out in full force. But thankfully, you have a torch and you have a thief. So it shouldn't be too much of an issue. Yeah, probably should have mentioned that. Give uh, Your thief can actually see really, really good in the dark, which kind of which basically means that he can see a little bit beyond. I think like maybe two or three squares beyond that. Give him a torch and he'll see almost... Well, I don't say almost the entire map, but he sees a good portion of the map for a few turns. 
Because I remember my natural instinct was like, oh, it's a torch. It kind of looks like a staff, so I should get my staff unit. But apparently anyone can use it. Unfortunately, I didn't realize this until many, many playthroughs later. <laughs> uh, one other thing I forgot to mention, it also uh, introduces you into defending. So Millennius is just a NPC that can't do anything on this map, but he's also open to attack uh, from people with swords and bows and pretty much anybody. Uh, he'll pretty much go down with one to two hits. Yeah, so, so at this point, you already know about rescuing, so it might not be a bad idea to have either Oswin or Marcus just rescue him and hold on to him for the entire map. If you can, if you want to, you can just hold up on the little island in the center of the map and let the enemies come to you. Or you can be brave, you can be daring, and go after the bandits yourself. Split up the squad and try to go after them. And if you do this... It can be the first example of, if you get a little bit RNG screwed, you might be in a little bit of trouble. Yep, I've had it happen before. Not this time, though. I actually did I actually did fairly well. Nobody Same died. here. This map went well for me. And we continue on with Merlinus, who is, there's no reason not to use, because he holds all your stuff. Yeah, before, like, if your inventory filled up, it's just like, well, great, my inventory's filled, I can't do anything, I'm kind of screwed here. Uh, once you get Marlinius, though, if your inventory is filled, you can actually send any extra items to him. So uh, imagine you have a, let's say you have, I don't know, Ellie Wood, and he has a couple of good weapons on him. And then you beat the boss, and the boss has like a Draco shield or something that's really nice. It's like, great, what do I do? I don't have anywhere to send my items because, uh, or I don't have anywhere to send my items. So I'm either going to have to sacrifice a good item for this item or, you know, not take any of them. Uh, with Merlinius, it's no problem. Just like, oh, you got this iron. You just send it to Merlinius. It's all good. You can buy all the iron swords you want now. Yeah. Um, Merlinius is someone that you actually have to have because... I, I don't want to say you have to have, but you really, really need Merlinius um, on the map. And I lost my train of thought. I am sorry. <clears throat> If you have Merlinius on the map, um, he has like a small tent, and you have to protect that tent. And sometimes enemies won't even like go, go near that tent, but oftentimes if he's on the map and they and the enemies know it, they'll go right after him. Yes, the game has a nice little habit of spawning enemies near the tent, so you can have fun with that. But, Thankfully, Merlinus actually weirdly can dodge in his tent at a decent rate, but early on it's still a good idea to protect him. So, the off the the offset to that is that each time Merlinius survives, he will get uh, one. Is it one level or one experience? One level, right? So he'll get one one level, and once he reaches level twenty, he'll get like a little horse and carriage he can run around the map too. So he's, so then after that, he won't be stuck in that one spot. Put him on a fort; they'll never be able to touch him. Yep. Which, uh, if you've played uh, the previous game, Binding Blade, Roy's game, he actually already has that cart. Continuity. Yes. Um. And so that's, I mean, that's pretty much it for Millennius. He, he act, actually, Millennius uh, has supports too. I think one of his supports is with, is it Marcus? Yes. It, you, he can support with Marcus, and Marcus is actually a really good 
choice to have him guard. I'm trying to think of who LTS supports with. It may be it may be him and Nino, I think. Him and Nino and also Vida, I believe. Really? That's yeah, interesting. It's a, it's a it's a weird combo you wouldn't have pictured, but I do believe they have one. I don't remember the content of it off the top of my head, but I believe those are the three he has. Yeah. So I mean that's I mean that's pretty much it for for Millennials. He's uh he's well he's also I'm trying to think if he has any Roy uh, ploy in um the next game. I do not know his story purpose outside of just holding stuff. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been a while since I dipped my toes into into the, into the sixth game. So if we if that bridge come if we come to that bridge we'll come to it. Um, if not, whatever. Anyways, that's Until it. Until then, we will take that bridge and go to Laos. Yes. Chapter 14. A droll merchant named Merlinius now joins Elliewood's group with Merlinius in tow. They set out for Laos the following day. Laos is located in the heart of Lycia, a territory ruled by a power-hungry Marquess of Laos, Lord Darren. Preparations for the war which the Frarian magistrate spoke, the disappearance of Elliewood's father, the death of Marquess Santarus. Do all these revolve around Lord Darren? In Lord Elliewood's heart, the need for truth is drowned in fear. A fear of what the truth may hold. Uh, a truth that we will hear a little bit from the mouth of Darren's son, Eric, who, through some of the conversations pre-chapter and through some support conversations, we learned that Eric was not quite friends, but false friends, as the chapter title says, with Elliewood and Hector, because they were all royalty they were all part of the lycian league sons of the marquis of the lycian league and so they were all at least acquainted with each other and eric does not like hector or ostia one bit yeah he's um not a nice guy um he's always he's he's always treacherous we you see him uh show up again in fire emblem um the bonding blade as well same map and everything. Obviously, he's older and he has a creeper mustache. So, there's that. Mm-hmm. Oh, but here's here's finally where we kind. Of, this is kind of like where the game starts to pick up a little bit as uh, we get battle preparations. Thank you. Ah, thank you, Burlos, for that ability. Yep. Can, here we can pick what units we want to bring in the battle, and we can trade all sorts of items between our units so we don't have to do it on the field. You really, like, after playing, like, a Fire Emblem game and having battle preparations for so long and then going to a different Fire Emblem game and suddenly not having battle preparations, you realize, like, man, I really, really love battle preparations. Uh, but as we prepare for this battle, there are a few things that we get at that are added, including... Two new friends. So with that, we go to the super amazing, amazing, awesome character breakdown. Pew. Copyright by Carlitz. Here we meet Irk, a purple-haired mage who is Penn student, a character named Penn Student. We met him in Lens Mode, and he is an amazing unit in Lens Mode because he has fire powers, he has magic powers, and enemies don't have resistance. Pretty much. Most of the enemies you come across have a zero resistance, so Urk is pretty great early on in the game. Unfortunately, he has anima magic. 
and Anima Magic is good against light magic, but there are almost no light magic enemies in the game. So <laughs> if you want to use the weapon triangle to your advantage, you're not going to get that with Urk. So, but he's good enough against physical units. Yeah, well, keep in mind that there are two weapon triangles. The one that he spoke of is the magic triangle. Um, I can't remember how the magic triangle goes either. Yeah, uh, light is more powerful than dark. Dark is more powerful than anima, and anima is more powerful than light. All right, it's, it's, it's just it's just been too long. Yeah, it, it's not. You don't really use that weapon triangle as much. Yeah, because there aren't as many magic users, and you you don't you don't use magic users against each other. Usually, you use the physical units to destroy the magic units, and you use the magic units to defeat the physical units. Yeah, probably why that triangle doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And then another character we are introduced to is Priscilla, who in an earlier cutscene we learn that she is traveling with a young mage, Urk. And for the longest time, I thought you could only recruit Priscilla with Urk by taking Urk from the top of the map to the bottom of the map in the middle of the rain. That's another thing that's introduced in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. But I was wrong about that for years, and you can recruit Priscilla in the village to the south with pretty much anyone. So. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought, too. Because she says, oh, a young mage, and then you find Urk just like, oh, okay. Well, because of your previous instance of um, Guy and Matthew, it's kind of in your head that, oh, okay, so we need this guy to recruit her. Yep, but according to the super amazing notes, Mounted Healing, period. House Cornwall, period. Raven Sister, period. Don't ever let her get attacked, because she will die. Yes. Period. Yes, her health is not great. Defense not great. Just thankfully, she's mounted, so she has the ability to run away pretty far. But be careful with her. She's she's a little bit delicate, sadly. And we do need her for the next map. She is very, 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 very important. We need her two two chapters from now. But yes, Uh, the only disappointing thing about her is that like she is a member of House Cornwall, and that we seem to imply that that's a really interesting story about how that house fell or how, what went on with that story but that's a sadly that's a sub story that gets some attention but not nearly as much as I wish it did it always feels like there's a little bit of a missing piece there that not even the support quite fills out yeah well basically you find it out from Raven that uh, horse horse house <laughs> yes they killed their horse Raven yes they Vance. killed the horse the house, um, their house was made of horses. That's probably why the house didn't stand up very long. Well, their noble, their noble house, horse, how <laughs> did it again? <laughs> <laughs> but basically, uh, her noble house, House Cornwall, uh, or Cornwell, I can't remember. Sorry. Yeah. Anyways, but their noble house got. Um, I guess they got this dismantle disbarred I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what you say but anyways basically their noble house no longer exists because of like corruption and uh lord uther was responsible for that which will actually play into uh raven when we get to him mm, so um but we're on this map for now so we actually see darren uh the marquess of laos and he's actually speaking with uh Ephidel of the black fang it's the first time we hear a mention of someone named Lord Nurgle. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we learn that Ephidel appeared one year ago to Darren, and that's the plan of Laos's rebellion began. 
Letters were sent out, and apparently Elliewood's father possibly agreed, but argued against uh, Ethidel and the Black Fang. So, hmm. Could be something happening here uh, against Lord Uther and Ostia. onto the the actual map itself like we've seen with the previous chapters there's just a slow escalation just the game getting a little bit more difficult at at a decent pace I find personally and I might have had a little bit of trouble here because I was a dummy because I was was still in the mindset oh the enemies have zero stats pretty much I can just charge in and these enemies have a few stats so my Lowen charged head-on into the forest and got completely surrounded by cavaliers, and I got very lucky, and somehow he lived. Come on. I got lucky. I, I, I'm going to say, I've been blessed by luck so far. I've made some very stupid strategic errors, but I've gotten lucky. Well, I think the, well, I think the thing with this map is, in general, is that it's the first map that's actually really kind of, like, open. I mean, and I don't mean, like, uh... And I and it, I'm trying. I'm thinking of this from I'm only playing Elliewood, Elliewood mode. So uh, it's kind of the first Elliewood map that's really kind of open. The other ones have kind of been a little bit closed in, a little bit kind of cramped. You know, you can um, kind of box your enemies in if you know what you're doing. But this one's kind of open, and then you have reinforcements on top of that. Yeah. On your GBA, you actually have to hold down the D pad to scroll across the screen. Yeah. So I think that's. Uh, I think that's a detriment. Also, uh, as you mentioned, we're introduced into rain. Great. Thankfully, we have a fortune teller who just decides out of nowhere, hey, I'm going to join you and tell you when it's going to rain. By the way, it's going to rain. Um, when it rains, it basically restricts all unit movement like horribly for like, was it two turns? Two or three turns, yeah. It's it's really bad. Like... I did with my low and I ended up getting caught up in it because I could run away because they could chase me down easily. Yeah. I don't know why uh, they, I don't know why they added that. Honestly, like it doesn't really add anything. Yeah. I think it's, isn't it used like maybe three times throughout this, what? 32 chapter game. It is almost never used, but when it is used, it can screw you over. <laughs> but I, so I don't mind it being there because I act, I enjoyed it because it was more of a challenge for me. It was like, even though this I'm playing on normal mode, it's just like, oh yeah, the rain is actually forcing me to change my strategic thinking, make me do things differently. So I, I view that as kind of a good thing. Makes me go off autopilot. Yeah. I, I it's not something I love. If every map had the rain mechanic or something, then I would hate it. If every map had fog of war, I'd hate it. But just pop it in once every like 10 maps or something like that I don't mind it that much how would you like fog of war in a desert Uh, it's either it's either Thracia or a bonding blade that has that no thank you no (laughs) I'm I'm done Uh, Eric actually, Eric actually rides out to Elliewood, and he's like, "Oh man, Elliewood, my good friend, Elliewood, my good pal, Elliewood. Tell me, Elliewood, have you been to Ostia? Are you talking to Ostia? Tell me, <laughs> tell me about Ostia." Oh man, Eric's such a good buddy. I'm glad yeah. he's my old friend. 
my old buddy, he tried to make me try to dare me into taking a blood pact. But wait, Cardwiz, there's a twist. What is this twist? Hector before this is is this like Irk, I ain't dealing with this. I don't like I don't like Irk, Eric. I keep calling him Irk. His name's Eric. Uh, he's like I don't like Eric, so I am going to browse around. Uh so Elliewood, I'm sorry, Hector enters the conversation and he's like, "Yo, uh what's with all these hostile forces that have, that have just conveniently surrounded us?" And uh that's actually where the map begins and you know, Eric's just like, "Oh god, I don't like either of you. Y'all suck." And so now I'm going to attempt to attack you because I have all these forces at my side. All the reinforcements in the world. And my Lowen, who is a bit RNG plus at this point, helped plow through them. Yeah. Once I got my wits about me, I was just like, I kind of like calmed down to think about this map. I actually made it through pretty good, but Picard was, I. <sighs> you didn't let Rebecca die again. That's not possible. No, no. We had another victim. Bater. No. Bater is gone, no. man. But he 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 hasn't even gotten married yet. Uh... He doesn't even have a mustache yet. You can't let him die before he has a mustache. My personal note here says Bater died one HP short of downing Eric. Ooh. Yeah, so I must have, again, it's been a little bit since I played it, so I must have got RNG screwed somehow, because I can't remember how I progressed with that map. So, uh, the order of death count is at two. Card was zero. Lucky. Man, I'm great. Yeah. So, after uh, we... It's totally not because I'm getting RNG blessed at all. Yeah, 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 RNG, RNG, says we get it. Anyways, uh... After we defeat Eric, we actually don't kill Eric. Uh, as for mentioned, he's a character that shows up again in uh, Binding Blade, so he's kind of saved from that fate. But we we actually take him into the castle and we hold him hostage, and Eric and Eric basically spills the beans about a plot uh, of Laos going to start a rebellion against Ostia. Uh, Elliewood needs proof of these accusations, so he and his allies pursue Darren, the fleeing Marquess of Laos. Where that chase would lead, Elliewood could not have known. Hmm. And it turns so, out it lead it turns out it leads us to an old friend. Is she for the win? Her name is Lynn. For oh. the win. I know. I, I like Lynn. I like her too. I like her a lot more when I have Lynn mode to level her up and to use the uh, seven HP boost you get early on, so yeah, I mean, I don't like her as much now. Uh, she as a unit, as a unit, I'm just like, eh. But as a character, I really like her. And uh, most of my Lin, most of my love for Lin is nostalgia. I can't help it. I've tried to divorce myself. Like nostalgia, I just really like Lin. Mm -hmm. She's great design, good character. And if you use her in Lin mode, she's going to have good stats. Great animations. Mm -hmm. Awesome uh, weapon. She's got the Monocotti. Or the Solocotti. Well, no, we'll get the Solocotti a little bit later. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, I mentioned that Uther was now the Marquess of Ostia, the largest of the Lycian League. So, despite the recent attacks on the Santa Cruz castle by Hector and Elliewood, Uther's hands are tied. Since he's now the Marquess of Ostia and head of the Lycian League, he can't show signs of weakness or discord in the League. 
Otherwise, King Desmond of Bern may use it as an opportunity to invade. Uh, I also have on here that every country has a spy working at Ostia currently, and I believe these are uh, I believe these are comments said by Hector himself. And so basically, it's actually the reason why, you know, no one's like, oh man, why isn't Hector here? Because apparently Hector is kind of known as a, a lout and uh, doesn't really abide by the typical noble tradition. So if Hector was there in the court with Uther, then people would think that something was wrong. So that's why Hector is kind of allowed to roam free. <sighs> and where is he? Where is that lout going to sneak about next, you say? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, My notes here says, Lynn returns. Ephidel stabs another old man. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah Ephidel ends up stabbing um Lynn's grandfather who we fought to rescue in Lynn mode uh Lynn is actually a bit the the uh Marquess Kalen I forget his name uh he basically told Lynn he's like you know you need to go you know, leave the castle take uh Sane um I have I don't really have great notes for this chapter uh he said, take Sane, take Lynn, take Sane, take Kent, take Will, and get out of the castle. And that is what they do. Albeit reluctantly, they leave Mark Marky Housen behind. Let's see, you, you even had his name, I didn't have his name. <laughs> Hello, Google. Yeah, I, I think when I played this game... I kind of forgot about my note taking and I was just playing the game because I was into it and I was enjoying it. So that's probably why my notes for this aren't that great. Oh yeah. But luckily we have the ever amazing, awesome, super amazing, the card exclusive copyright character breakdown 2019. Yes. All right, go Lynn tricky without Lynn mode. Great. Monty Cotty, granddaughter of house. Galen. Amazing notes right there. We have Florina awful constitution. You have to baby her early on in the game. Scared of men. Friendship. Uh, why, why did I write that? Oh, she has a friendship ending with Lynn. If you do the A support. That's what I meant. I was like, friendship ending with Lynn. Did I mean to do the meme with like, friendship ending with blank? Blank is my friend now? Eh. Thankfully, I did not accidentally meme. That would have been awful. <laughs> and she, uh, she can pair up with Hel... Uh, Hector and possibly be Liliana's mom. Mm-hmm. Next we have Kent, balanced cavalier, straight-laced knight. Can't, he can get to 20 and 1 in Lin mode. He is very easy to boss abuse the final boss of the game. Just like have him take all of the damage, let Sarah heal him, and then uh, level up Kent to get to level 20 and then promote him to paladin. So you can have a 21 paladin <laughs> at this point in the game if you want jeez that'd be broken it is absolutely broken I love doing that you can do that with Sane but Sane can get too powerful so that he would kill the boss before he can get to level 20 so it's easier to do it with Ken since Ken has less strength growth gotcha yeah. uh, and speaking of Sane he is the offensive cavalier he is a lady, ladies man who is loyal to Lin and finally we have Will he's there he exists as a person and a character in this game yes he joined up with Lynn and he stayed 
Congratulations, Will. I hope you liked the bench. He has a backstory with Rebecca and her brother, though. That's something. That's character. Yeah, and they can talk about it on the bench. Or, in Rebecca's case, the grave. Yeah. I goofed, okay? I goofed. Anyways. Yeah, you did. Of... My notes on this chapter are not... That's pretty much all the notes I have on this chapter. Um, I have Darren is easily manipulated. The hostage is mentioned. Black Fang is mentioned. Layla appears. Yet, for this chapter, the only thing in my playthrough that happened was... I, once again, for the second time this playthrough, I got blessed by R and Jesus. Uh, I had uh, Florina should have died because I had her holding a javelin and her constitution so low she got double attacked by a dude but thankfully one of those attacks missed or else she would have died so I need, so just a reminder don't give Florina a javelin unless there's no one around her to attack her Yeah, she will get double attacked because her con is like 4 and javelins weigh 11 so minus 7 speed oh, no geez. thank you Um, Only use slim lances with her until you get her speed way higher. Yeah, I mean she's a she's a flying unit too. So I mean, even if you don't really want to use her, she still has utility as far as like being able to like show for people around the map and stuff. Oh yeah, and just the Pegasus units can be incredibly powerful later in the game, but they tend to be kind of like archers. You have to really baby them, except they also have the mobility, so they're more useful than archers in that aspect. And you, you do need Florina uh, to recruit a character later on, so keep her safe. Yeah, I almost lost two characters in one blow because of one javelin use. Good job. Not smart. Not smart. I got lucky. Thank you, Orange Jesus. Imagine letting your characters die. Yeah, thankfully that has never happened to me. So, um, I'm trying to look at my notes here and figure out, and try to pull from my memory uh of this game uh when i when i said that hector land get off on the bad foot basically uh hector's fighting style is kind of wild and reckless but ellie wood's like oh no man i I wouldn't have anybody else about my side so they get off to a bad foot because of that um i believe darren uh, at the end of this map he's like you know what this isn't worth it i'm not gonna do it i'm giving up my son i'm giving up my men i ain't doing this anymore and i believe uh Ifidel's like bro are you serious? You can rule you still... the world. Do you want to rule the world? And and Darren's like, actually, you know what? I want to rule the world. Let's go. Uh, and so we continue to whereabouts unknown. I have not completed this chapter, so I actually have zero notes on it. So Cardwiz, this one is mostly going to be on you. So now you have to solely rely on my super amazing card with special exclusive expertly edition typed out in character notes, and it is autographed exclusively by Cardwiz. Notes for character breakdowns. Actually, before we chat, before we go on this, I, I mentioned uh, Layla appears, so this is Matthew's girlfriend. Oh, yes. Basically, she's actually joined up. She's actually been... Uh, taken in by the Black Fang, and basically she's been spying on them and reporting back to either uh, Hector or Uther. It's not really explained who she's reporting to, but uh, I believe she may be an agent of both um, 
both brothers, but basically she's been delivering reports saying, you know, hey, here's what's happening. And so he, he delivers a report to Hector, and then, uh, you know, we get this small little, like, love scene with Matthew, and I think Matthew talks about, you know, after this job is over, you know, he's going to propose to her. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. And she she saved a man from a shanking. Yeah. Yeah, she saved uh, Lynn's grandfather. So she's it- she is... She's semi-important for this part of the game. Was it Lynn's grandfather or Satoros she saved from the shanking? No, no, it was Lynn's grandfather. Lynn's grandfather, okay. Yeah. Again, it's been a month. Yeah. So, whoops. Oh, back to the amazing, awesome notes. Raven, House Cornwall, period. The Sasuke of the game, period. Hector Hard Mode Blessed. <laughs> actually, you know what? Now I remember why I didn't even bother taking notes on this, because I remember Chapter 16 pretty well, actually. It, it's a memorable memorable chapter. It's like it's the invasion of Castle Kaelin in order to take it back and to save Hausen. Yeah. And while we're here, <laughs> we get we get to meet Raven and we get to reunite with Lucius. I think, to, to me, like, I think I remember this chapter because of Raven being like, hey, I basically they're being locked in a cell and um, Raven's like, I'm not with these dudes. And the soldier's like, no, 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 you're in jail. But then Raven, like, uses Jedi mind powers and just, like, he's like, no, I'll fight for you. Hand me an axe. And the guy's just like, all right. Yeah, he's like, you guys are fighting Ostia? I hate Ostia. Give me that sword. Yeah. Yeah, so... And it it works. Yeah. But he leaves Lucius locked in the prison. (laughs) Yeah, he does. And Lucius, here is my note, a guy, period. That's a dude, period. Yeah, I... Seriously, that's a dude. I thought he was a female for, for like, years. Because I was always like, you know what? Raven and Lucius, you know, they're really they're a really good couple. You know, I, I, I ship them. I like them. They, they work out pretty well. And uh, you're like, I think you're telling me, you're like, oh, yeah, uh, Lucius. And you started talking, you started using the he pronoun for him. I was just like, he, don't you mean she? He's like, no, 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 that's a guy. I'm just like, oh, huh. I guess yeah. I, I guess I shipped, I shipped a gay couple all these years and didn't even know it. And they, hey, they could work out. I think they have an ending. Together. Yeah, they do. They have they probably one of the best gay couple ships in Fire Emblem that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and additional notes on Lucius: he is a glass cannon, great attack and speed, horrible luck and defense. But thankfully, he is great for the Dread Isle because there are a lot of dark. There's a lot of dark magic coming up, especially on a certain boat. So Lucius is pretty darn good at least in the short term as a unit but you don't get to use him here he doesn't he's just going to be locked in a cell he was well, not that he's locked in the cell he's also locked in the cell with uh is it like what four uh green three. units three green three units. green yeah so basically when you're first charging this castle you need to get up there as quick as you can with uh, your army and Priscilla, because Priscilla is Raven's sister, and he has to recruit her. I'm she sorry. has to recruit. Sorry, yeah. she has to recruit him, and then he has to recruit Lucius. But you also have to recruit him quickly, so that Raven, because eventually the soldiers are just like, you know what, screw this, and they break out of the prison. Uh, Raven will kill those soldiers, and you need those soldiers to live because, um, I believe letting those soldiers live will unlock a bonus chapter which I don't think we're going to talk about. We'll talk about that next time. Yeah. 
I mean, it's really it's a really straightforward map. It's really just uh, you know get up there quickly, take out the boss. Oh, and don't forget to grab the treasure and stuff with Matthew. And don't forget about the reinforcements at the bottom that will kill Merlinus. Yeah, basically it it's not as dire as we make it as I make as I'm making it sound, but basically it's kind of like you know don't dawdle for too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it it's a good it's a good level of challenge on the map, and I I, I must admit, I had my first death. <laughs> Look at that! The mighty card whiz gets brought down like the rest of us. So yes, who who has died? I wasn't paying attention to an archer with a steel bow, and he got Lynn. But it was game over, so I had to restart. So Lynn's still alive. Everyone's alive. Just this once. Everyone lives. Um, There's just going to be a little L by her win-loss record. I'm just going to be honest with you and say that I don't like you. <laughs> don't worry. I like you. But uh, uh, Get in. Get out. Save your grandpa. <clears throat> what is the, what's the ending to this map? Uh, the ending of this map is just there's a, a general. It's the first time you fight a general in this one in Elliwood's mode. And thankfully, he's fairly easy. You can abuse him a little bit if you wanted to. And plus, you, if you save, if you manage to save all three of the uh, green units, you end up getting a red gem. So that's an easy 2,500 gold. Sweet. Uh, at the end of the map, you learn that uh, all of these the enemies are going to something called the Dragon's Gate on the Dread Isle. And thus, the next... Well, no, I don't want to say the next arc, but we're coming up to the conclusion of probably this little story beat. And so... I believe that is where we will end our little uh, thingamajig for now. Uh, uh, just one question about oh. your playthrough so far. Do you have any support so far? Uh, I don't. I have the ability to get one support, and I believe it's the one you wanted to talk about. Which we we, we act, I meant to do this before we started the Emblem Club section, but uh, uh, I guess we can go ahead and do it now. It's a... Support that you're probably going to accidentally click. Even I accidentally got it by just clicking too fastly. The Ellie Wooden Hector support because the C support comes with just two turns, I believe. Just two turns of standing next to each other, so you can get that one early, and you could probably have the B support by the time you finish the chapter we covered today. If you actually try to get it, and it's a solid support. The C support gives you a little bit of history about their past. You learn that they always spar with each other all the time. There's some debate over who has the most wins. Uh, but... It's just, it's typical like banter that, you know, it, it builds on their support. I'm sorry, not their support. It builds on their friendship. The the C sport does a good job of just laying that groundwork of the friendship. And then you come to the B support and it gets a little bit more than that in the B support. Uh, Hector's seems to have tr- be having trouble sleeping. Elliewood wants to talk to him about it, and Ellie and Hector says, "I've been having this weird dream about this man, a giant with a great beard, carrying a girl on his shoulders. The girl is calling him father." Uh, 
and then we find out that this man has a similar beard to to a similar hair color as his own. So we find out, oh, Hector's dreaming about his future, possibly, and his own daughter. And his own daughter is taken away by a boy with red hair. Hmm, the same color as Elliewood's hair. And by the end of the support conversation, Hector is all up in arms. Quiet, now I'm sure, but the boy was a Farian. No matter how close we may be, I will not, I will not give up my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and I just imagined him screaming that at the top of his lungs, going full anime. And Elliewood just is left alone saying, well, let's hope this dream doesn't come true for my sake. <laughs> it, a fun support. Oh, again, building on the friendship and also a nice little hint and Easter egg at Fire Emblem 6 and the future of what happens. And that also continues with a little bit of foreshadowing and a little bit more build upon their past relationship in the A support where we learn about how they first met and how they first met Eric and how Eric's a jerk. Just always remember, Eric is a jerk. Eric tried to goad people into taking, like, blood packs, just, you know, cutting the hand open, shaking the other person's hand. But Ellie Wood and Hector were just like, hell yeah, we're in on that. We are we are ready to be together right now. AIDS so, doesn't exist in fiction. No, it does not. So they take a blood oath towards each other. They are blood brothers. Their friendship was pretty much cemented the first time they just had conversations with each other. And by the end of the support conversation, they, they're talking about, I have no plans to break my oath. They are going to be there for each other to the end. Uh, including at the very end, Hector says, well, then let's live long and in health. I don't want to hear any excuse of not being able to come help when we're old men. It's a deal. Stay alive, Hector. Deal. And don't go dying before me either. I'd never forgive you. And the sad part is, in Fire Emblem 6, Elliewood is too ill, too sick to be able to come help Hector, and Hector does end up dying. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad, but it... Fire Emblem it, Heroes, uh, one of the Tempest Trials, I think one of the one of the first, like, what was called the mini Tempest Trials actually plays on this, too, where uh, it's basically post-FE7, and you fight... Uh, the spirit of Berserker, who is possessed, um, or he appears in the form of Hector, and at the very end of it, um, the masked Marth is like, you know what your eventual fate is, and you're sure you're going to keep it from him? I'm talking about Elliewood, and Hector's like, yeah, you know, it's, he's like, he's like, I knew it as soon as I picked up Armads, which we'll get to way later. And, you know, it's kind of sad, it's just like, it's funny because, in Fire Emblem 6, Hector's really a know-nothing character. It's just like, oh, he's Elliot's friend, and then he dies. You know? Pretty pretty brutally, by the way, but he still... He, he, he doesn't die a noble death. He ends up dying in a... Uh, I think he gets triple-teamed by Narcian, Brunia, and someone else. They bloody him up pretty bad, and they just leave him to die in a prison cell. So he doesn't even get, like, a glorious death either, so... It's very, it's very uh, sad, and it's it's Fire Emblem Seven that actually gives him the character and the importance and the weight of that. 
Makes me sad thinking now, about it. Now on that depressed note, see you next time. Exactly. So, um, it's kind of it's kind of a long form podcast. Uh, typically, we don't want it to go this long, but yeah. we had we had a lot of catching up to do, and uh, I probably didn't mean to rant at the very beginning as long as I did. If you're still listening, uh, so when we pick up the Emblem Club next time, card was what levels do you want to go through? Because you are the FE Seven Master between the two. Yes. We're starting on 16x. If if, if you if, get it, if you manage to save one of the uh, three green units, and if we don't want to do too many chapters, then we can go up to 18. Let's go up to 18 right before the Dragon's Gate, right before things get real. Yeah, that way we can uh, keep this podcast a little bit smaller. If you are still listening, I definitely want to say you know. Um, Thank you for sticking with us. I mean, we're both still... We're not new to the podcast game. We're just new to being, like, having to lock in on a certain subject and only talk about that for the most part. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's one sec- quick segment that'll just take a minute that I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. concerning our playthrough. Who is your most RNG-blessed and RNG-screwed character so far? Oh, it's uh, it's Lowen. I think he has decent speed and defense right now. His attack's not too bad either. Right now, my Lowen is my RNG-blessed character, and Urk is also up there. Urk hasn't leveled up much, but Urk is pretty RNG-blessed. And personally, my RNG-screw character is, for the first time, I'm not having a tremendous Hector. I've had a couple of really bad Hector level-ups. <laughs> thankfully, like Hector's good enough so that even after bad level-up, he's still usable, but he's not going to be a super amazing unit like he usually is for me. Yeah. But um that said, uh if you have any corrections for anything we might have misspoke, please feel free to send them uh via Twitter at emblem supports or uh via email at emblempodcast at gmail and we'll be happy to read those out and correct uh anything that we have misspoke about. Thank you for joining us on this journey through the fire. Well, I think that's it for us, Cardwiz. Together, we ride. Woo! Woo! Yes, we did it. All right. All recorded, all good. All right, yeah.